0: Testing? Yes, thank you. It's good to be with you this evening. Uh, I was not always a fan of agriculture as I'm uh, uh, standing before you here uh, this evening. I grew up uh, in Detroit. My father was an engineer, but uh, we did live out in the country. He wanted to uh, have us Uh, live out there. It took about 30 or 40 minutes for him to drive into the tech center and design automobiles every day. And uh, I knew as an engineer he made good money and I couldn't figure out why we had to grow our own food when we could just go down to the grocery store and buy it. And of course as part of it, (coughs) that meant that I had to work on this farm. (laughs) And so uh, you know, I had to learn how to weed and till and and uh, a lot of um, care needed, it was probably about a half acre that we were, uh, were farming. But uh, in the fall of the year, I started to recognize how beneficial it was when our fruits and vegetables tasted so much better than what people were able to get from the store. And also, I knew if it tasted that good, it would probably be healthier, although the studies hadn't necessarily been done yet. Uh, but uh, and, of course, you know, that's a more of a, a little boy growing up. Actually, uh, my dad has a movie camera of me out in that garden where the first thing I did um, was, of course, playing in the dirt. This was one year of age, and I'm, t- of course, taking the dirt, and then I'm actually putting it in my mouth and eating the dirt as well. And so I, I grew up in a garden uh, eating dirt and, uh, and playing in the dirt and working in the dirt. And and now, of course, I realize how beneficial it was for me in so many ways in regards to my own cognitive development and uh, my own personal health at this age. I think we were having issues with the technology, and I think the switch uh, produced some more issues. Let me see if I can – we might actually be totally frozen here on the screen. If we have a technology display expert, we might be able to use them uh, here. Okay, we might be getting somewhere now. Can you see the, uh, the first slide or no? Okay. One of my uh, pet peeves uh, also Um, that I've seen a lot in literature is the talk about the oldest profession. And, you know, when the world talks about the oldest profession, they're actually wrong. Uh, They're quite, uh, they're, they're very wrong. And the oldest profession clearly is actually gardening. And, uh, of course, the the Bible tells us that and, of course, there's evidence uh, outside of the Bible as well. But uh, in Genesis chapter 2, even before uh, women came about, uh, of course, there was man. And in Genesis uh, 2, oh, you can see it now? There it is. Before there was woman. Here's the text. The Lord God took the man and put him into what? The Garden of Eden. And I looked at a number of translations, and it's kind of interesting how different the words are, depending on which translation it is. But uh, many of the translations say he put man in the Garden of Eden to cultivate it. Other translations say to dress it. The old King James says to dress it. Other translations say he put him in there to till it, to tend it, to work it, and to care for it, and keep it. And so uh, this was actually the assigned profession of mankind. You would think uh, with all of our advanced technology, Uh, And, you know, what many consider the most advanced computer on the market uh, would be able to simply show something on a screen, (laughs) Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, it's it's not quite as simple as it appears to just be able to translate what I'm seeing on my screen and for you to see it on your screen, but that's the way it is. Uh, So uh, we will uh, go forward, yes, uh, actually, but you need to see this right yeah yeah so we can uh, pull that off by the way while he's getting that uh, there I don't know some of you might have heard today um, that we had the first um, leader of the Western world uh, announce to his Parliament that the pandemic is over Uh, that was Boris Johnson uh, in the UK And uh, he said uh, the pandemic is over. Masks are optional anywhere. They are optional indoors. Vaccines are no longer mandatory. They're optional as well. COVID is here, but it's become endemic. And this newest strain is no worse than the flu. And so we don't have to do anything (laughs) like we did before. Uh, COVID came about because now it's just the flu Uh, and so uh, he said you know if you're sick uh, take precautions but the pandemic is over in the United Kingdom Uh, and so uh, uh, now I'm not the medical officer in charge of this event here still follow what they're telling you to follow here Uh, but uh, in general this Omicron virus appears to be um, in many ways, God's vaccine, because it's not near as, um, as deadly as those original COVID viruses were. And it's far more contagious, meaning that even if you don't wanna wear a vaccine and you wear masks everywhere, you're still gonna get it and you're still gonna develop immunity uh, to it. And so uh, this is uh, one of the reasons why the, uh, the pandemic is over. So, there are advantages, many advantages of gardening in regards to personal health. And one of them is we can't really be involved and engaged in gardening without physical exercise. And there are many advantages of physical exercise. Exercise in a garden setting virtually uses all of your muscles. Uh, you have to squat, you have to bend, you have to stretch, uh, and, uh, you know, if you're just in a sport, like even running or a track and field, you're actually not using necessarily all of your muscles. Uh, and so there are significant advantages um, to using all of them, particularly as we age, in being able to maintain that muscle mass. We often think of aging being important for our heart and internal organs, which it is, but also our musculoskeletal um, condition is very important as we age. And if we don't maintain integrity, our our mitochondria, our energy-producing cells in our body, we are going to end up with fractures, we're going to end up uh, in hospitals, and uh, complications can obviously occur. Uh, So, great flexibility and stretching activities, and of course, um, thirdly, is the type of exercise that involves working in a garden especially involves working with your hands in three dimensions. When you're working with your hands in three dimensions, you're actually increasing the circulation of the front part of your brain. The back part of the frontal lobe is where our hand motion is at. Some people have asked me, particularly some of our Weimar students, can I work on my hands in 3D by doing 3D video games on a screen? (laughs) Uh, And of course, that's simulated 3D. It's actually not 3D, it's 2D. And so working on the screens are not something that is beneficial as far as your frontal lobe, even though you might be doing a lot of different uh, hand motions. And so we want to have that real three-dimensional activity. And as Dr. Eric Sigmund says, working with one's own hands in a real-world 3D environment is imperative for full what? Cognitive and intellectual development. I don't know how much lower my IQ would be if my father hadn't insisted that we work in that garden, but I can tell you it would be lower than it is today. Uh, and it was working with my hands in 3D that was actually helping my cognitive and intellectual development. And of course, if you go to public schools today, even in big public schools, you won't see classes on woodwork in many of them, or metalwork or craft. Even car mechanic classes have been dropped by many schools. Um, Even uh, music classes um, down significantly. Of course when you learn to play the violin you're working with your hands in three dimensions as well and one of the advantages of of learning to play an instrument uh, such as this. But what's replaced it is computers and screens and our world has become much more of a software instead of a screwdriver society. Research is showing that increasing time spent in the virtual world of computers is displacing hands-on play, (laughs) hands-on learning, displacing gardening, and 3D learning allows young people to experience how the world works in practice, to gain an understanding of materials and processes, and to make informed judgments even about abstract concepts. I know in the dental school, uh, my alma mater, uh, Loma Linda University, those dental, um, Uh, educators have talked about the dramatic change that's occurred in the last few years among the dental students. Most of the young students were actually good working with their hands in three dimensions and it's not the case now. They have to actually learn to be coordinated to work with their hands in 3D because they're not used to that. They might be smart enough to get into dental school uh, but it's more than just the cognitive aspect of things there are physical aspects in the fine motor movements um, that, uh, that they're just lacking in and it takes a lot more uh, to uh, get them going. Uh, one of the things that uh, uh, I've noticed and of course we, uh, once I noticed the benefit of that, we raised our own sons to uh, work in the garden as well and to do a lot with tools and those sorts of things and uh, my Uh, son who is now the um, uh, father of the first Nedley girl. Uh, We had four Nedley boys for all these years, and in the last three years we now have four Nedley girls. (laughs) Um, Three of our older boys got married, so I've got uh, three Nedley daughter-in-laws, and uh, our um, our second boy uh, has our first um, granddaughter, Amalia. Uh, who's just um, turned one. But he's in um, an orthopedic residency uh, down at, uh, at Loma Linda University, and he loved working with his hands, with tools. He, he didn't, he had a, a problem um, growing up that his older brother didn't have. His older brother was able to focus. His older brother was actually a Um, uh, became a virtuoso violinist at a pretty young age, being able to play very complex things and being able to um, uh, focus and do his practice in the morning without any encouragement and just to be able to get it done. Alan was not that way. Alan was um, uh, very difficult for him to focus. In fact, I taught some of my kids sports uh, growing up and Alan and baseball did not go well together because, you know, you have to wait until the ball comes to you in right field and Alan would be out there looking around, you know, what's going on in the grass here or whatever. And Alan, you need to look, the ball might be coming your way. Not a good sport for those that have attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. But what would ha- help him to focus, of course, is when he was doing things with his hands. If it was real-world 3D. Uh, he would really love that. And whenever there was something to fix in the house, all of a sudden his attention uh, would come forward and he'd get his tools out and he'd start working. And I thought if this boy ever had the focus to be able to get into medical school, I know what specialty he would want to go into. And uh, fortunately, he went to a, an academy that was a kind of an ideal academy for those with ADHD. Uh, I don't know if anyone has gone to Washita Hills Academy, uh, but there there's a lot of work. You have to work a lot and you have short episodes of study and things like that. And all of a sudden his focus started to improve. And by the way, we took him off violin very early in age because the comparison between Joel and Alan was so much of a contrast it just discouraged Alan. And so he was changed over to viola, uh, which was a, a very expert move by the, by the teacher. Uh, because now it was a different cleft and different things. He didn't have to compete with his brother. Uh, But uh, when he um, actually was able to maintain focus and take pre-med classes and and actually do well in the MCAT, uh, his first um, surgery that was orthopedic surgery, where they started to get the tools out and the saws and the screws, he could not get the smile off of his face. (laughs) He said, this is great. He said, I was hoping nobody would be looking at me because, he says, I was just so much enjoying what was taking place. And he said, this is unbelievable. You can work on a body with these great tools, and these tools are so um, you know, different than even the best tools that he was working with. And uh, in his, um, early on in his residency, he got named, um, nicknamed Sparkle Fingers, uh, because uh, he had already been working with tools so much beforehand. And uh, the other day he was in a difficult uh, case where two attendings were working and couldn't get things put in the right place. They had been working for about 40 minutes and finally, of course, he's the resident. He was in the background. but. Um, they said, well, Nedley, you are known as Sparkle Fingers, why don't you give it a try? And in four minutes, he had it done. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, a lot of people go into orthopedics because it's a, it's a tough to get into specialty, but once again, they might be high up in their class, but they don't have that three-dimensional aspect of things to be able to really, um, it, it's quite a learning curve for them. But for Alan, it was natural. And a lot of it was natural because he wasn't spending time on computer screens in 2-D. He doesn't really uh, enjoy that type of thing. He wants to be working in the real world. And now he has set up one of the reasons why he also went into orthopedics. A main reason is he spent a lot of time in the mission field working in surgery. And in the mission field, he says there's no orthopedic surgeons. There's general surgeons trying to do orthopedics. And he would feel so bad for these people that couldn't get fixed right. And so um, he really wants to be a mission doctor. And he finally found another orthopedic doctor that is a mission doctor in Haiti, of all places, Dr. Scott Nelson, who actually is the brother-in-law of Senator um, Cruz um, from Texas. Uh, But uh, he and Scott Nelson work well together, uh, setting up all of these wonderful tools for Haiti, particularly working with the pediatric age group and he goes over there as much as he can to help out the disadvantaged and uh, he can do some pretty amazing things even when there's different leg lengths he can actually do things to make the other leg grow uh, and to equal it out and that's pretty exciting things. But it started in a garden and it started working with tools uh, and so uh, we can't underestimate the importance of that. Contact with the soil itself also has benefits. Contact with naturally occurring species of soil bacteria, mycobacterium vacae, cause the body to release vital immune chemicals called cytokines. Cytokines actually, in turn, spur the brain to produce the neurotransmitter serotonin. Serotonin is the molecule that makes you feel calm when there's stress. It helps you to have a mood that's not down in the dumps when there isn't a lot of exciting things going on around you. Uh, And it also helps out with sleep It also has a, uh, when we make a lot of serotonin in the daytime, we can make more melatonin at night, uh, which is a very potent antioxidant. And this is something that is stimulated just by working with the dirt. Chris Lowry, the lead researcher in these cytokines at Bristol, said, we know that some of these cytokines can activate the nerves that relay signals from the body to the brain. And these studies help us understand how the body communicates with the brain and why a healthy immune system is important for maintaining mental health. They also leave us wondering if we shouldn't all be spending more time doing what? Playing in the dirt. Uh, by the way, one of the – it was mentioned uh, by uh, Nathan, and, and you might wonder how I was asked to write a public school K-12 through curriculum for emotional intelligence. Uh, and it actually had to do with the emotional intelligence summits we run at Weimar, but um, one of the uh, higher-up individuals in Guam uh, was coming to those EQ summits and recognizing that so much of society – could improve and, and also we wouldn't have the, the need for the court system, the prison system, all of those sorts of things if we would enhance emotional intelligence. And so as a result of those conferences, the Supreme Court Chief Justice of Guam and the uh, 10 Pacific Islands, which include a number of islands over there that are U.S. territories, um, he's, he's actually in charge of the Ninth Circuit over there. The Ninth Circuit, you might recognize, is kind of a, a progressive group of judges over California and, and a lot of the Western states over there. They're right under the Supreme Court of the US, and so these people know the Supreme Court justices all by name and, uh, and communicate with them a lot, and they come over there to Guam, but the Ninth Circuit, actually uh, decided, they said they have never spent more money or more intensity um, than they are in in actually paying us to develop this curriculum for K-12. So it's being used in Guam and all of these um, uh, Pacific Islands right now in a pilot form and then uh, we're going to come back this summer, we're going to have a reporting conference and then depending on how the results of all that came out it may be actually required part of the (coughs) curriculum. But in that curriculum we teach them first grade how to work in the garden and how to play in the dirt. That's part of improving your emotional intelligence and so we call it farm fun and the teacher actually has shown how they can take them outside what they can do in all of these different islands and the different settings because this is going to be part of improving um, their mental health by playing in the dirt. Interestingly, people who are not exposed to the dirt in childhood have higher rates of allergies, asthma, and even what? Mental health issues as adults. And so we even do this adults. We, uh, we actually are starting our Depression and Anxiety Recovery Program today. I actually saw the first three patients before coming down here uh, for this um, conference, and I have to leave um, tonight so I can see the rest of them. There's um, 25. Uh, we had a big uh, waiting list and some crucial ones. Normally we only take 20, but we needed to take 25 in this program, but they're um, uh, one of the things that's required. In fact, uh, we always call Darren Greenfield uh, beforehand in regards to where are they going to be for Farm Fund Days. And uh, some of them complain about it. They say, you know, we actually paid to come here. And now, with the money we're paying, you're making us work in your Weimar farm. Uh, But uh, actually, they don't complain about it very long. It's pretty amazing how quickly uh, that work turns into smiles. And they have uh, where they're talking about it with each other and all of the different uh, elements of working with their hands in 3D. It's an important part of improving their mental health. And then, of course, at the harvest time, simple act of picking fruit or vegetables, whether from a garden or in the wild, causes the brain to release the pleasure chemical dopamine, which activates the brain's reward centers. I've often remarked on the great joy I feel when I forage in the garden, especially when I discover and harvest the first of the season, the first luscious strawberry to ripen, or emergence of the first tender asparagus shoot," says the author Robin Francis. I've also wondered why I had a degree of inherent immunity to the retail therapy urges that afflict some of my friends and acquaintances. Maybe as a long-term gardener, I've been getting a constant base load dopamine high which is reduce the need to seek other ways to appease this instinct. And so if you're out there in the garden, you're much less likely to succumb to retail therapies that you can regret uh, greatly. Uh, And uh, another giant advantage of working in agriculture is vitamin D. This is one of the things, you know, I was in gastroenterology for years. And, uh, you know, we're doing all of these procedures, but they're always indoors. And I would say, isn't there a way that we can get outdoors and do these colonoscopies out in the sun? And uh, the, uh, the nursing uh, managers uh, never um, thought there would be a way to do that, and so we continue to have to do it uh, all indoors. Uh, but, you know, in agriculture, you get to work out in the sun. And there are several aspects of it. The first part is farmers, uh, almost without exception, I don't know if there's any here that want to raise their hand because they're an exception to this rule, but most of the farmers I know of, they're into early to bed, early to rise. And so when they're out there actually before sunrise, and there's an advantage of that sun coming up. It's setting your circadian rhythm. It's improving your serotonin levels. And it's going to set you up for being tired in the evening and going to bed early. So that vitamin D from the sun is important. But also, I mean, you're not getting vitamin D actually early in the morning. You have to be out where the sun is more direct. In fact, the shadows must be shorter than you are to produce vitamin D under your skin. So. Uh, this is why you want to actually look at your shadows uh, when you're out there. When it's shorter than you are, you know that vitamin D is being produced. There's enough ultraviolet light there to produce a significant benefit. And vitamin D is going to help your immune system. It's also going to help your bone structure. You're going to absorb more calcium. You're going to absorb more magnesium. But interestingly, studies have shown that your vitamin D levels, when we took a, take a look at people with high vitamin D levels. Those that are taking supplements versus those who are taking no supplements. Now, how can your vitamin D level be high if you're taking no supplements? It has to be from the sun. Those individuals will have far greater health than those who are getting their vitamin Ds up just from supplementation. And we haven't known all the reasons for this, but it is starting to surface, and this is the exciting thing. You're going to hear some some new research tonight in regards to the exciting aspect of things that we can get from the sunlight that you can't get any other way um, as far as, um, you know, taking a supplement is concerned. Most people who work indoors don't have opportunities for vitamin D, and I'm unfortunately one of those individuals, and so I actually have to get my vitamin D up through supplementation. But whenever there's an opportunity to get vitamin D from the sun, where I'm not having to work indoors, I always take advantage of that. (laughs) And, of course, um, we talked about um, the advantage of the um, light therapy. There are simulated light uh, that can actually produce some of the same effects on the eyes. Um, And um, we used to utilize white light. Uh, but it required a brighter type of light to produce the antidepressant effect. But even light boxes will help you with partum or postpartum depression, or even if you have regular depression, 30 to 60 minutes of 10,000 lux white light will produce benefit. Now, white light would be on a cloudy day. On a cloudy day, you're getting white light when you're outside. But there's an advantage of getting blue light from the Uh, that blue sky itself, the 460 nanometer wavelength. 96 patients are randomized to receive light therapy plus a placebo capsule or placebo light therapy plus Prozac for eight weeks. Clinical response rate in each group was 67 percent. Further analysis indicated that light therapy provided a quicker initial improvement, so it actually will improve your mood better than Prozac or at least quicker and you're not going to have the side effects of Prozac in just utilizing the light therapy. In our um, Depression and Anxiety Recovery Program, we actually now use that 460 nanometer wavelength, um, which you can get in a, a blue light box or you can actually wear it now in glasses. We have it so they can get around and do things. Uh, while getting that light at the same time every morning, setting their circadian rhythm, one of the best ways of taking a person that has insomnia and turning him into a person that is going to have um, good sleep eventually. usually it takes about a week uh, before we notice that benefit. And even the wise man in Ecclesiastes said, Truly the light is what? Sweet. Pleasant thing it is for the eyes to behold the sun. And just an hour of bright light in the morning actually also stimulates our pituitary gland to produce luteinizing hormone. And this occurs in both men and women. So it's not only setting our body clock, it's actually turning on and stimulating our hormone production center. LH influences reproductive hormones in both men and women, increases in luteinizing hormone in men drive up testosterone levels while the hormone tri- triggers ovulation in women. Studies have shown it also helps with depression and it improves libido. And there's also a muscle building and strengthening effect. Now, you know, individuals, you know, in regards to TV commercials, if you're watching screens and commercials, they're going to tell you about light therapy, increasing your testosterone level. They're going to want you to go to a doctor and get testosterone shots and and get, you know, pellets put in and those sorts of things, but you can double your testosterone level just by getting outdoor light in the morning or bright enough light through one of those medical-grade light boxes, and uh, that will do far better. Um, than those testosterone shots in many ways, because the testosterone shots are going to increase anxiety, they're going to increase aggressiveness, they're going to have some unwanted side effects, even gynecomastia. I won't tell you what the lay term is for that, but you might have to look it up. Um, but uh, it is uh, it's something that's going to produce issues as well as it's going to shrink the testicles of, of the men who are using it. Um, And so a far better natural approach is the light therapy. And when women with long and irregular menstrual cycles are exposed to bright light, their cycles actually regularize as a result of the luteinizing hormone. Then, of course, one of the other advantages of agriculture is all of these green spaces. This was a study published just um, not too long ago by the National Academy of Sciences and it showed growing up near green spaces is associated with lower risk of developing psychiatric illness in adulthood by anywhere from 15 percent to 55 percent, depending on the specific illness. It was actually an amazing way of how they did this study. They looked at satellite imagery in Denmark, and they looked at disease rates um, in regards to the, since it's a national healthcare system, you can actually see the diagnosis, doctor diagnosis of the, of the patients and where they're living. And so they matched that up together, and they found a dramatic difference depending on where you're growing up, if it's green spaces or not. So it's the largest investigation ever between green spaces and mental health. Growing up near green spaces was associated with a lower risk of developing psychiatric illness in adulthood by anywhere from 15 percent to 55 percent. For example, alcoholism was most strongly associated with lack of green space growing up. And so if you don't have green spaces growing up, uh, 55 percent more likely to become an alcoholic. And the green space effect was dose-dependent, meaning the more you're in it, the more protection you have. This was an interesting study on agriculture as well. General linear model analysis indicated the complexity of work with people and data are associated with better cognitive performance at age 70 after including age 11 IQ, which we know is very important. The smarter you are at 11, the less likely you are to be demented when you're 70. Years of education, the more education you have, the less dementia occurs. Social deprivation also is very much associated with a later onset of dementia. But something that was um, even more important than those things was occupational complexity, where you're working with people and data and things. Working with and managing a workforce also associated with less cognitive decline uh, as you age. And, of course, the other benefits are fresh air. Negative ions are present around all of these green plants, and especially where there's moving water, like waterfalls or following a thunderstorm, evergreen trees emit these negative ions, which have positive effects on the brain. These ions improve learning and concentration, reduce anxiety, and improve mood. Then uh, this study of 300,000 Dutch adults and children Those living near more green spaces tend to have lower rates of 15 different health conditions. Link was especially strong when it came to depression and anxiety. So the new um, research that's coming out has to do with something that's kind of somewhat old. Back in the 90s, Newsweek Magazine and Time Magazine both had feature articles on the fountain of youth. They thought they had discovered the fountain of youth. What was the molecule that was the fountain of youth? Anyone remember back then that's old enough? It was melatonin. Melatonin is actually one of the most potent antioxidants known. The most potent antioxidant vitamin, uh, what are the antioxidant vitamins? A, C, and E. Which one is most potent of those? actually E. Vitamin E is the most potent antioxidant vitamin. But melatonin is 30 times more potent than vitamin E. So melatonin is something that's very important as far as um, helping us to age gracefully and to also even maintain a lot of our physical and, and muscle functions as well. And so what we would do is, what we, back in the 90s and back in, in even 2000, we would actually measure what's called circulatory melatonin. So when people go to bed at night, if they're sleeping in darkness after they've gotten a lot of light, they're going to start producing a lot of melatonin, and we're going to be able to measure it in the bloodstream. That's called circulatory melatonin. It's actually produced by our pineal gland in our brain. but We have now found out that there's something that's even more important than circulatory melatonin, and it's called intracellular melatonin. Our cells in our body will make melatonin that stays inside the cell. In other words, we can't measure it in the bloodstream, and that melatonin particularly protects our mitochondria, the energy-producing cells in our muscles and other areas to be preserved, in other words, to not deteriorate so rapidly with aging. And so the role of circulatory melatonin produced by the pineal gland at night is to provide an efficient method of delivering supplemental melatonin during periods of low cellular activity and solar stimulus to damaged or aging cells in both diurnal and nocturnal animals. Why are they mentioning this? Uh, because this is important but far more important is the intracellular melatonin. And it turns out intracellular melatonin is turned on by near-infrared light. Now, this is not ultraviolet light. Ultraviolet light produces our vitamin D and it's also what's going to tan your skin or burn your skin if you get too much of it. But this is on the red side. (laughs) the red side of the spectrum is much more penetrating. So the ultraviolet light just makes vitamin D, it doesn't penetrate very far at all in our skin, it just makes vitamin D right underneath the skin where the infrared light can actually penetrate a number of inches in. And so there's now a number of studies and of course sunlight, we're getting photons from the sun, but most of the photons that you get from sunlight are actually infrared photons. We can't actually even see them because they're below the red spectrum. And that's what's penetrating into our body when we get it and it's actually helping us to produce melatonin and preserving the energy producing cells in our brain. The majority of time in today's culture is spent exposed to visible only lighting. So when we're in here we're only getting visible lighting. We're not getting any infrared lighting. And any indoor place essentially is not producing that infrared light. Biooptical evidence shows that NIR, which stands for near infrared light, we talked about the blue light being 460 nanometers. What is infrared light? It's 850 nanometers. So it's going to be a much longer wavelength that we can't see and the near-infrared portion of natural sunlight stimulates an excess of antioxidants in each of our healthy cells, and that cumulative effect of this antioxidant reservoir is to enhance the body's ability to rapidly and locally deal with changing conditions throughout the day. And so this is one of the reasons, and of course um, technology is taking advantage of this now, Instead of producing medical-grade blue lights, we now have companies that are producing infrared lights and near-infrared, and of course, there's been now over 3,000 studies done on infrared lights that can help with arthritis, you know, you can just take one of these infrared lights and wrap it around your knee, and because of what it does to the intracellular melatonin, it can help in regards to energy if you have weakness, it can help out. There's even studies showing that it can help preserve the brain in Parkinson's disease and prevent those cells from being deteriorated if we get that infrared light into the substantia nigra of the brain. And so there's a lot of different, it it can even prevent dementia and Alzheimer's disease. And so there's a lot of different studies now. And we didn't know the mechanism until just recently. But the mechanism is actually turning on the production of intracellular melatonin and uh, preserving those energy producing cells. So although uh, as this study um, author stated, while circulatory melatonin may be the hormone of darkness, subcellular melatonin may be the hormone of daylight and that hormone of daylight seems to be even more important. And then finally I'd like to mention occupational complexity. Occupational, when we take a look at dementia there's a number of things that have been shown to help reduce your risk of dementia. Reducing your blood pressure so you don't have high blood pressure, making sure you don't have high cholesterol, making sure you don't have high blood sugars, all of those are going to accelerate the decline of the brain. Um, getting on a regular exercise program, all of those are important, but there's some recent data showing that there's something even more important than all of these things we're doing with our body or putting into our body and it actually has to do with what we call occupational complexity. And, of course, when you're a farmer, there is occupational complexity. You have to be a doctor of the soil. You have to know how to prepare that soil. You have to have knowledge about it and to actually put that into action. Every crop you grow is different, and so there's different soil conditions that you have to be aware of in in preparing that for the best outcome. You also become a doctor of plant diseases as well, and particularly when you're growing organic um, foods. And by the way, when you grow organic, you're making more bioflavonoids in those plants as well as, of course, avoiding the pesticides and herbicides. Finding or creating the right tools and equipment. As many of you know, Darren Greenfield, who works at Weimar, he's an industrial genius in regards to coming up with different tools and different uh, ways of handling certain uh, uh, farm aspects of things and of course that's part of the occupational complexity which is helping um, his own uh, brain. Uh, the growing seasons are different as well uh, depending on what we're actually growing and that adds to the complexity and of course when you're on a farm uh, it has to, it's best done with people that's why the Lord gave man that was working in the garden a helpmeet uh, to help uh, him work in the garden, and to have that teamwork, and when you're managing people, that adds to the occupational complexity. It also seems to appear to protect and enhance the brain, uh, as I mentioned, better than any single nutritional measure, and even better than physical exercise, and so far even better than antioxidants. And so uh, I would encourage, I know I'm in many ways, I'm preaching to the choir here today, but somebody just handed me a microphone and said this is going to be on AudioVerse too. So many more people might listen to it on AudioVerse. verse. Uh, by the way, just a, a little bit of, um, uh, of, of knowledge for those that you, that of, of you that listen to uh, audio verse. Uh, and you, you won't find it under my name that's there. We had someone misunderstand this a few weeks ago. She was very upset that Neil Nedley was not on AudioVerse, and what she, as she began to listen to Alan Lloyd, um, she realized it was Neil Nedley, and uh, she thought that we weren't being transparent. You know, one of the things that we need to recognize is even Christ, in a lot that he did, told people, not to tell anybody because <laughs> the time wasn't yet. You know, I wouldn't be producing a through K-12 public school curriculum uh, if they look up Neil Nedley and see my talks about the 144,000 in, in Revelation and those sorts of things because they, that's not the audience. We need to know our audience and know who we're speaking to and the health message is an entering wedge to get involved in, in into that and so Uh, It's there for a reason why it's Alan Lloyd we want those we want those messages to be out there But that's particularly for those who are already grounded in the Bible and have that as their basis I can tell you uh, uh, being there in the among all these judges uh, Because we actually they closed the courtroom down in December when we were there uh, all the courtrooms for a whole week and all the judges came to our meetings on emotional intelligence and, uh, and they began to ask me a lot of different advice, even in regards to their cases and those sorts of things. Uh, that won't happen without the entering wedge. The health message is an entering wedge. And, uh, and so uh, when we're speaking to the, uh, the church, I use a different uh, name. So just be aware of that. But on occupational complexity, uh, that is, uh, is something that I hope those that are listening to Audioverse who are not as much into agriculture as you are, it helps them to make the decision to go into agriculture. This is our last study, I think, a meta-analysis. A meta-analysis is when we put a lot of different studies together and do put the statistics in regards to gardening and horticulture. And the meta-analysis shows reductions in depression, reductions in anxiety, reduced body mass index, increases in life satisfaction, increase in quality of life, and increase also in self-worth and self-esteem. A few years ago when I was in Botswana I met a man that helped me to recognize that we were far more capable in aging than what I had thought of before. I must admit, even being involved in the health message for as many years as I've been, I thought if we can be active and do productive things in our 80s, that's going to be about as good as it gets. But I met this man, they told me about him, and actually I drove over there to, to meet him. This is not a picture of him. You'll see a picture of him later. It made me rethink aging. This gentleman, Melosi Sabande was 117 years old. He was born in 1902. Uh, His daughter was 87, met her too, who was 87. And this man was early to bed, early to rise. He was in bed every night by 8 p.m. And he was up every morning at 3 a.m. Of course, you get a lot more melatonin when you're early to bed, early to rise. Why did he get up at 3 a.m.? Because he he needed to cook food for his workers who would be coming in to work on the farm. And so at 11 a.m. is when when they'd have their lunch. So he would cook everyone's lunch ahead of time. So he'd get up to cook. And uh, he said he slept well every night. When he was 40, he learned about a plant-based diet and became a vegetarian. And he also was on a a two-meal-a-day program. By the way, there's some longevity advantages related to a a two-meal-a-day program, if you can be on one. This man, at 117, was working 11 hours a day, six days a week. Physical labor outside. He was bending. He was tilling. He was picking. He had this Botswana farm, simple Botswana farm, uh, didn't have a lot of sophisticated equipment, and he was still straight and upright with good muscle tone. He was not bent over. And he was still very mentally sharp without dementia. I attended his Sabbath school class. He taught the Sabbath school class, and the only effects of aging other than his looks was that he had some trouble hearing the comments. So he would put his uh, hand there, and he'd get close so that he could hear them. But, you know, for 117, that was pretty good. And he was actually the Pathfinder leader of his local church. You can see that Pathfinder uniform. So here he is, Master Guide Jato Malasi Sabanda from Botswana. And uh, I was thinking, you know, this is Mr. New Start. He had nutrition. He had exercise. He had water. He was out there in Africa getting the sunlight every day, getting that near-infrared light plus the ultraviolet light. Uh, He was a temperate man. Uh, And, of course, he got adequate rest every night out there in the fresh air and also that trust in God that was very important to him. And if we're really doing things In regards to the original occupation that we were designed for and doing things in accordance with God's purpose I think our longevity and our quality of life would be greatly enhanced not to mention our taste for the much better fruits and vegetables that are homegrown so I hope this is an encouraging um, aspect of the beginning of the ad agri-conference and I wish you all the best of health of body, mind, and soul. Let's, uh, let's pray before we close tonight. Father in heaven, we thank you that you made us to be active. You made us to work. You made us to be able to experience all the benefits of New Start in one occupation. And we pray that even though many of us are just uh, farmers on the side uh, that we would uh, recognize and teach our children diligently as well how to work the soil, how to be a good gardener, and also how to reap the benefits of all that you have given us in this life to enjoy. We thank you for each attendee here and we now pray your blessing upon this entire conference. May you add the touch of your healing hand uh, in each of these um, presentations and uh, may we not only listen to this information, but may we apply it in our lives and be blessed in Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse